I need to take this in for a second. Look at y'all this morning. How are we doing today? Yeah? Are y'all awake? If you're in love with Jesus this morning, let me hear you go. Whoop, whoop. I love it. My people this morning, I'm ready to have some fun today. Welcome to Eastgate Church. Everybody watching online, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to hit that like and share button so we can reach as many people as possible today. And you guys in-house too, feel free to share the live stream so that we can reach people with Jesus. It's an easy way to let people know the message that we're preaching. Amen? Yeah. Golly, this cold weather is, is, is crazy. I walked outside this morning and I was like, uh-uh. I don't know about that. I had to go get my coat on and, and be ready for today. My goodness gracious. But we're going to have fun today. You picked a great day to be in church. I hope that you are ready to have some fun today. I think I'm doing this right. There we go. I have a new tablet this morning. Check this out. Is this cool or what? Just the little things in life. I'm telling you, it's the little things in life. Um, how many of you remember last week? We talked about a missions project that we was carrying over from the first of the year to yeah. help a group in Guatemala. Y'all remember that? Yes. Okay, you guys that were here last week. Um, so I have updates for you this week. Offering came in last week, and it was enough. So we struck the check, and we sent it to our friends in Guatemala. And praise God for that. We were able to underwrite the entire Vacation Bible School project that they had going on, and I got some pictures to show you this morning. Uh, so look at the first one up there. I love this. This is them in action. These are kids that they brought in, giving food and clothing to. They're living in the dumps there in Guatemala City. There's another photo I want to show you. Um, they had 48 children the first week. They're expecting that to double for this next week. So for the next three weeks now, for the next three weeks, they're going to be giving these, peop- these kids Jesus. They're going to be giving them food. They're going to be giving them clothes. And I love it. I love it. From little bitty Douglasville, Georgia, we're making an impact throughout the world. Praise God for yeah. that. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. People are always like, I give to the church. I just don't know where the money goes. Well, here's where the money goes. It goes to helping kids like this. It goes to investing in our community. It goes into making a difference in the lives of those around us. We're an open book here at this church. So if you ever have any questions about what's happening financially in the church, hey, just set up an appointment. I'll open up the books and I'll show them to you. I will show you the books. It's awesome. Can you guys hear me good? Y'all hear me all right? All right. Let's get into the word today. Um, I want to continue a series that we started uh, that got beautifully interrupted last week. I don't know if y'all were here for service last week, but it was absolutely amazing to see what God was doing. Um, if you got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. We're going to go chapter 28. And this is kind of the, uh, the foundational scripture for this series that we're in called Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. And it's all about how we can make an impact in the lives of people around us and help do what the Bible says in making disciples of all the nations. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Um, all this stuff is available on version. It's also available, scriptures are available on the screens for you this morning in case you forgot your device and, and can't read along that way. Don't worry, we thought about you. We got you covered this morning. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say, all nations. I love that our God is not inclusive or exclusive. He is inclusive, yeah? All nations. So no matter what your background is, no matter what color your skin is, hey, the gospel is for you. It's for you. It says, go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. What is our number one responsibility in Scripture as believers? Our number one responsibility in Scripture is to make disciples. Outside of our personal relationship with Jesus, our number one responsibility is to make 
disciples. But sadly, I find that in most church circles, there's not an emphasis put on this. And when you dig into how most people live their lives, most people aren't actively making disciples. Now, making disciples, that's a real churchy phrase. It's a real churchy phrase. So we've got kind of a just a basic practical definition for what discipleship is. And discipleship is helping others grow in their walk with God. I can do that. I can help someone grow in their walk with God. I can have coffee with somebody and talk them through a hard time in their life. I can take a phone call and talk to somebody. And I don't have to have a degree in theology. I don't have to have a master's in divinity. I can just encourage someone in their faith and help them walk through difficult seasons of life. Amen? That's what discipleship is. That's what discipleship is. Anybody ever played golf before? Y'all playing golf? It's talking about discipleship. Now you're talking about golf. I have a love-hate relationship with golf. (laughs) I love when I'm playing it well, and I hate it 99% of the time after that. You know what I mean? It's like the 1%. Where I, I'm, I'm doing well at it. I don't play golf a lot. I've only played it a few times. Um, the first time I really played golf, I played golf on a uh, minister's retreat. And everybody was signing up to go play golf that next morning. So I'm like, you know what? I'm with this group. I don't want to be the oddball out, you know, because I was never a big golf guy. I've always heard it called cow pasture pool. You know, that's what <laughs> golf was growing up. Football, basketball, that kind of stuff. I love that. Golf was kind of weird to me. Never really picked it up. I thought, I'll try it. So the first hole, I tee up, and everybody's coaching me. All right? They're like, first of all, they're excited. You know, how, you know how it is first time you do anything. Everybody's got a world of knowledge to drop on you, and it's too much to absorb, right? It's like, all right, got to make sure that your stance is right. And you got to look at where the hole is, and they're telling me, you got to make train tracks. Train tracks from between your feet and where the ball is, and train tracks go to the hole, and that helps you keep lined up to make sure that your swing is going to be good. And listen, um, you got to make sure that your mechanics are right on the swing. It's all about the swing. It's all about the swing. And I'm hearing all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Everybody's giving me all this advice. And then when it was my time to get up and do my drive, everybody just kind of backed off and was watching, like I was just going to magically put together all the advice that they gave me in that moment, you know. So the pressure's on. I'm like, I can't screw this up. So I'm thinking about everything they said, and dude, I, I, my swing was perfect. It was dead on. I hit that ball, and y'all know the sound when you hit the ball, right? It's just, it's just gone, gone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a natural at this. Golf is easy. I mean, it's easy. No wonder Tiger Woods and Phil Nicholson and all these guys are making all that money out there. Because It's easy, man. You just got to keep doing this. This is great. Two putts later, ball's in the hole. I'm like, yes, I am the golf master. And then we got to the next hole. I was not the golf master. <laughs> Boy, it, it snuck up on me in a hurry. I was, I was slicing I sliced more than you find happening in a deli, man. It was just ball this way, ball that way. I I couldn't make contact with a ball, and I was just beating the field to death. You know, where has Josh been? I don't know. Just find out where it looks like a gorilla was walking around with a sledgehammer and follow, and you find out where Josh. I beat that golf course to death. The green keeper, guarantee you, they had at least another five or six hours of overtime that week. I, I whooped that golf course just beat it to death so one hole two hole three holes we just i just had the pattern i was like what's the deal i nailed it the first time what's going on well i was playing with two other guys and about the third hole they figured out this guy is not good (laughs) this is wasn't an accident this guy isn't good and so they would do their they got to where they would do their thing and uh and then they just Go and leave me and go to the next hole and wait for me to eventually catch up, you know? So they, they were good buddies, so they were having conversations with themselves. And I was like, I don't want to be this guy sitting in the back, or in the back of this golf cart and, and not be in on the conversation. And so I tried to interject conversation as we were going from, 
you know, hole to hole. And uh, it was just like I was trying to pry bar my way into it. You know, come on, they were getting along really good. But I was just kind of the oddball out, which is not what I wanted. It became kind of awkward. They were telling jokes and having insides, you know, little stories and all that stuff. And I was just there. And they were playing pretty good. And I was just there. And they decided they wanted to go first because they didn't want to have to tee off after I dug a crater, you know. And, and, and so it got crazy awkward. I got so frustrated. Um, about the 15th hole, 16th hole, I was just like, man, I hate golf. Golf is stupid. Golf is dumb. And then there's this part of me that's wired up to say, I'm going to practice golf every day for the rest of my life until I get this down. So I'm having this conversation with myself. But it wasn't fun. It was incredibly frustrating. Into the 18th hole, my score was like, (laughs) uh, let's just say it was over 100. (laughs) Over 100, less than 300. It's just if we were playing basketball, I'd have killed them. I destroyed them, but that's not the goal in golf. And I was just so aggravated. And I was like, man, I just couldn't make contact with the ball. I was all over the place, man. Apparently, I need a lot of practice. And one of the guys I was golfing with said, yeah, what you're doing wrong is this. And he started coaching me up, and he was right. He told me exactly what I was doing wrong. He's like, you're trying to crush the ball instead of going through the mechanics of your swing. And I'm like, yeah, I am kind of trying to crush it. He goes, it's not about that. You got to go through the swing, trust your swing, trust the mechanics, trust the process. The club will do the work. You just do your swing the way you're supposed to. I'm like, okay, cool. That's great now. Where the heck was that on the, the third hole, the fourth hole, the fifth one, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh? He's struggling. Maybe we could throw him a bone and help him out. Thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth. I mean, come on, guys. Somebody help. Not on the back end of it. Help me in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? Give me advice when I need advice. Don't you just love those people that come in on the tail end of something and say, I could have told you to do that in the first place. Well, why didn't you tell me to do it in the first place? Why didn't you? All smart, all wise, all powerful one. Just let me know something while I'm struggling. If you've got all the answers, share it. You know? But I find that the process of our walk with God can be very similar to what I just described with my experience with golf. You get into it, and everybody's cheering, and everybody's helping in the beginning. Woo! Yeah! And you just give your heart to Jesus, and everybody's watching you on those first couple of steps, and ding! Everything goes great, and then life starts to hit you, and the real world starts to smack you around a little bit. And too many times, we leave each other alone instead of rallying around each other and coaching each other up. And sharing the truth that we need, you know, encouraging one another on that third, fourth, fifth hole, on the 17th hole, when people are just frustrated because ain't nothing working like it's supposed to be working, you know, somebody to come in and give the right advice or to pray the right prayer or to just read the right scripture at that right time in life. That is what discipleship looks like. It's what it looks like. Not watching somebody struggle, and then they're at the end, jumping in and, and judging and accusing. I, I can't stand that. I can't stand what religion does. Religion, it's almost like it roots for people to fail in their walk with God so that you can point out all the mistakes that they're making. Say, look where you messed up there. Look where you messed up there. Look where you Instead of getting in there where the rubber's meeting the road and saying, come on, I'm with you. How are we going to overcome this? How can we find victory? I know you're struggling right now. I know, you know what? I know that you don't want to come to church this week. I'm going to keep you accountable and I'm going to encourage you in there. I know you're going through hell in your family right now, but I'm going to walk beside you through it all to the other side because that's what the body of Christ does. We watch each other's backs. Amen? We watch each other's backs. So that's what discipleship is. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is just beginning to call his disciples. And um, it says, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. 
They were casting the net in the lake. Jesus likes fishermen. I love that. Any fishermen in the house? Jesus likes you. I love it. He likes me. I love catching fish, man. Uh, They were casting that into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That would have sounded weird to me, especially if I was a fisherman. What is he talking about? Are we going to walk through town with a net and just throw it on people and drag them over to, like, how does that look? Welcome to my mind. It is a scary, scary thing. (laughs) So, um, he says, come follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and they followed him. They followed him. They walked with him. Discipleship in this day and age that Jesus was in was about doing life together. You would see students following the teacher or the rabbi. Um, you would see people going around and they, that Jesus did life with his disciples. The good days, the bad days, the hungry days, the not hungry days, Jesus did life with his disciples. He saw them at their best. He saw them at their worst. And he was always there. Discipleship is about doing life with each other. It's about having conversations. It's not so much about having church in your home It's about having great conversations that point our family to Jesus and encouraging our coworkers at work, lifting them up and praying for them, praying for one another, doing life together. Too often as Christians, we are guilty of putting ourselves on a spiritual island instead of staying connected with the body of believers. And too often, I think, we try to do things on our own. And there's nothing wrong with trying to do things on your own with you and your relationship with God. But, you know, all those scriptures in the Bible that talks about how we're supposed to interact with one another and pray for one another and encourage one another and bear one another's burdens, that doesn't happen when we isolate ourselves. It only happens when we're together. only happens when we're doing life together. It only happens when we are in a relationship of discipleship with one another and the body of Christ. Question for you. Who are you encouraging and who are you helping to grow spiritually today? Who are you helping to grow spiritually this week? And it can be just as easy as conversation over coffee or lunch, having people over to the house, I don't know how it works for you, but if you talk with me long enough, eventually I'm going to start talking about Jesus. Eventually I'm going to ask you how life is going. Eventually I'm going to ask you how I can pray with you. I'm going to start encouraging you. Why? Because it's wired in me. We need to become a church where we can really say that we want our ceiling to become somebody else's floor where our experiences and what we've gone through in life, the victories that we've won in our relationship with Jesus, become the encouragement and the tools that others need around us to go further in their walk with God. Instead of waiting until they get to the 18th hole and say, yeah, you could have done this. Boy, I can tell you what I felt like doing to that person, and it wasn't hugging them and buying them dinner and saying thank you for all the great advice you just gave me could have used it earlier, maybe there's some people around you that can use the experience that you have. Maybe you're just a conversation away from helping somebody grow spiritually. Now, I've got somebody to help me out today. So I thought talking about this stuff and preaching about it is one thing, but I wanted to be able to model for you what just a simple conversation with somebody about what's going on in their walk with God would look like. And at the same time, I wanted to help answer some of the common questions that people are going to have in their walk with God. And maybe people have that are a million miles away from a relationship with Jesus. Because we were all there at one point, yeah? And maybe you're here today and that's you. And I'm going to tell you, you're in the right place today. You're in the right place today. And we hope you feel welcome and you feel at home here because we love you. We love you, and we hope that you know the Savior that has changed our lives the way that we do today. But I wanted to answer a question today. Have you ever ever thought or asked yourself this, how can I know if I'm really saved? You ever had that question? You ever lay on your pillow at night and just pray that prayer of repentance one more time? Oh, God, please forgive me. 
of the sin today. Thank you for your forgiveness. And please, Lord, forgive me for choking the co-worker in the break room. I know that wasn't how I was supposed to do it. And thank you that they didn't press charges and I can go back to work tomorrow. Yeah, just please, you know, those, those, little, those little what if prayers that we pray sometimes, you get in the car and like, oh man, if I die on the way to work, Jesus, I just want to make sure that I'm not going to go to hell. Those making sure you're not going to go to hell kind of prayers. Well, how do you know for sure? How can you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And I want to kind of have a conversation with a buddy of mine this morning. Um, so I'm going to bring Landon on up to the stage. Y'all show some love for Mr. Landon as he comes on up here. Now, as Landon's coming uh, up here, we're going to go through a little talk sheet that I've printed up. I've got these available for everybody in here this morning. So ushers, if you would, I'm going to ask you to quickly pass those out. Um, We'll make sure that everybody's got one. You guys watching online, sorry. Should have been here. Should have been here. Should have been. I'm, I'm kidding. There's one guy home with the flu right now going, well, thanks a lot, Pastor Josh. I guess me and my flu should have been there. I feel you. I feel you. Landon, how you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Good. Can y'all hear Landon okay? Yeah. Y'all hearing All good? Right. Say hey to everybody. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> There it is. Oh, hey, guys. So, look, this is going to be fun um, because this is completely unscripted. So me and him didn't strategize or plan any of this stuff out. We're just going to be having a real conversation up here today, talking through uh, how we can know that we're really safe, what the Bible says about that, because this is something that comes up quite a bit. Um, Are you nervous? Very. Very. (laughs) Hey, don't be. You're good. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a secret. Um, every Sunday I get a little bit nervous too. I get a little bit nervous. But here's what I've learned. Nobody can be you better than you. So just yeah. be yourself, bro. Just be yourself and you're good. So we got his back this morning? Yeah. All right. So I know it's going to be hard because Pastor Jeremy's on the front row. But forget about everybody in here, man. And, and we're going to have a great conversation. Do you like sports? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. You like college Football. That's what I told you, Pastor Jeremy. I just, hey, wait, I don't want to have to preach on unity, so we have to calm down, calm it down. I am surprised the dog fans didn't go nuts, um, for sure. So, who's your who's your favorite team? I would say Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs. Man, listen the deal with y'all some of y'all look some, some of y'all we went through all of worship and y'all were just start talking about football y'all, go dogs go dogs y'all need jesus oh y'all dog fans need some jesus um well man let, let's have a little conversation you got everybody got a, a little talk sheet this morning yes all right so you guys follow along with it as we're walking through this and we'll have some fun for a little bit today uh let me read this little scripture at the top. First uh, John 5.13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I love that. Did you know, um, like, there's, there's deeper meanings to some of these words in scripture? We'll talk about that next week. Have you ever, so any of y'all ever wondered how you can, like, read your Bible and it actually makes sense to you? Tell the truth now. You know what I mean? I've had those seasons where I, uh, early on where I read the Bible and it was just like I was reading a different language. I just couldn't get into it, you know. So next week we're going to have a conversation about that. It's just, it's going to be amazing. Um, but there's just depth in the Word of God. And sometimes these little words that you see have multiple meanings because the Bible was originally written in a different language than we use today. What we've got now are translations of that original Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, um, and uh, when they use those words, a lot of times those words had multiple meanings. So, like the word "know" got a couple of meanings. It could be a continual revelation process where you're learning a little bit as you go, and it also means just like 
just a boom, aha kind of moment. Just, I get it now. I know this. I know it, know it, know it. Well, that's what this is talking about. Um, first, John is talking about how we can know, know, know that you have eternal life. Because I found in conversation with people, a lot of people struggle with this, man. A lot of people struggle with it. Like, how far does the grace of God go? If, if, I, got, if I got busted speeding, does that mean I've got to go up front and repent in church because I might go to hell? You know, uh, I've been in churches where they make you feel like that. You know, so I found that it's better to go to the Bible and look at what the Bible says and just go with that versus somebody else's opinion. And, and that's what we're going to do today. So this whole salvation thing, this whole... Jesus being your Lord and Savior so that you get to go to heaven instead of going to hell and having to face that judgment is a big deal, man. It's a huge deal. Uh, do you remember when you got saved? Yes. Because it was at youth camp, right? Yes, sir. This year. Youth camp this year, Landon gave his heart to Jesus. How awesome is that? I love that, man. You just never know what God's going to do. That's why I encourage you. If you've got a student age uh, kid, get them to one conference. Yeah. God is going to rock their world at one conference. I'm just telling you, it's going to be amazing. Uh, you going to one conference? No, I'm not. What? <laughs> ah. I have other plans. Ooh, you, no, you don't. You're going to one conference. <laughs> We're going to change that. We're going to change that. But tell me, tell me about when you got saved. What, what, what was it like? It was... Really, it was um, a huge relief because I felt extremely lighter after it. Like, it, yep. I was like a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. So when when the whoever was preaching, when they were talking, you kind of felt like I don't know. You, you feel convicted about some stuff in your life. Kind of felt like you needed Jesus to do some stuff in you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it worked with me, man, because I went, um, I, I grew up in and out of church, you know, but I'm telling you, when I, like, really rededicated my life to God and really, really got saved, it was kind of similar. Y'all ever had that feeling like when you're swimming underwater and you've been underwater just a little bit too long and your lungs are kind of burning a little bit? And you're just trying to get to the surface, you know, so you can get that gasp of air. That's what it felt like when I got saved. It was like I broke through that water and I, that breath I was taking, it was like I was breathing for the very first time. It's just that desperation and it was just like, ah, now I got it. Now I feel it and, and it, it, I felt kind of light, like you were talking about kind of free. I felt like I, I felt like I could have walked to the, the basketball court and out dunked Michael Jordan. That's how light I felt. I felt like I could jump through the, the building, you know. And I mean, did y'all feel something similar to that when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Just that, that light, that, that freedom, that kind of alive on the inside for the first time or the first time in a long time kind of deal, uh, feeling complete. And, and man, it, it's just amazing when you give your heart to the Lord. Um, but here's some things people get confused about, and this is on your talk sheet. I brought you a pen so you can participate and fill in these blanks. Um, it's because of Jesus, not us. Because of Jesus, not us. A lot of times people get that confused and like they'll come to church and they'll think it's about being a good person or doing things right. You know, if you're a Christian, then you got to look perfect. And that's one of the big holdups when I talk to some people. There's holdups there because like, I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus. I need to fix some things first. It doesn't work that way. You know, Jesus fixes the stuff that we need fixed. You know, if we could fix it ourselves, he wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Well, Ephesians chapter 2 kind of lets us know that it's all about Jesus and not about us. I don't know if you ever read the Bible a lot, but Ephesians is good, a good one uh, to read, especially chapter 2, like verse 8 and 9 that we're going to read. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. I love how that's worded. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. And it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. It's about what he did on the cross. It's about what he did on the cross. Sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves. Let Jesus do his work in us and it'll bring about the change 
that we're trying to make happen in our lives every time. In Romans uh, chapter 10, it kind of walks through this process of salvation. Um, you know, like at the end of every service, just about here, we'll give people an opportunity to pray and we'll tell them, you know, to confess Jesus. We'll talk about believing in their heart and, and all of that stuff. I don't know if the guy did that at the service you gave your heart to Jesus at. But um, here's a scripture we base all that off of in Romans 10, uh, 9 through 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord is a whole lot more than just saying it. You know what I mean? It, the, the implication there is that you letting everybody know. Everybody know. That Jesus just isn't Lord, he's my Lord. He's not just a Savior, he's my Savior. You know what I mean? So I'm letting everybody know about what he's done on the inside. Um, so you believe in your heart, and you declare with your mouth. Or it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Man, it's about a lifestyle. About a lifestyle. It's not about going to church every week. It's about having a relationship with Jesus where he's really Lord and Savior of your life. So if you ask questions sometimes, okay, well, how do I know that I'm saved? You ever ask yourself that? Yeah. yeah. How do you know? Well, first of all, if you've confessed and believed and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your heart, um, that's a good start. Now, if you hadn't done that, you might be in trouble. You might be in trouble. Um, so here's, here's another way that we can know that we're saved. And this gets talked about some in church, but it gets, I, I hate churchy phrases because it leaves so much to assume, you know. And I always believe that the Word of God is practical and easy to follow. You, know, you ever heard people say stuff in church and you wondered what the heck they were talking about? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever heard me say something in church and you're wondering what the heck was he talking about? And you'd be honest, yeah. Yeah, that's that Georgia fan in you. It's okay. It's okay. That's all right. So the Lord will get you through it. It'll be fine. Um, so, so in your notes there, it says that one way that we can know. Well, first, we got the Jesus thing taken care of. Secondly, um, we start to see some of the changes in us because of that. The Holy Spirit reassures us. It's what the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit reassures us. In Romans 8, uh, it's a good passage of Scripture to go to sometimes when you're reading the Bible. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I love that, but that can be so difficult to understand. Like, how does the Spirit testify with our spirit? You know what I mean? Is there just one way? I mean, what do you think? No idea, right? No. Hey, you ever wondered that? Like, okay, so the Spirit testifies with our spirit. What does that even mean? What does that mean? That we do something and he shouts uh, an amen in our spirit, you know, to testify a little bit like people testify in church? Is that what it's talking about? Nah. Man, this stuff used to confuse the mess out of me early on. It really did. Um, well, the Spirit begins to do His work. One, you have that feeling of change inside of you, like you're alive on the inside, you know? Yeah. Um, but you begin to see a difference in how you think and, and how you behave a little bit. And things start to stir up on the inside of you that weren't there before. Well, that's the Holy Spirit doing His work inside of you. Um, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit has started doing some work on the inside of you. Um, things begin to change. Things begin to change. They're in your notes. They begin to change. You see things a little bit differently. Like, I don't know how it worked with you. So like after, after uh, you got saved at youth camp, mm -hmm. did stuff start to bother you that didn't bother you before that you would do? Well, it... Um Every time the subject of God actually came up, I would like start to cringe. I was like, can we change the subject now? That's really most of the things that I talk about because, yep. I mean, it's the thing that I love the most. It's, I always love coming here. It's really, I'm really comfortable coming here, and it really changed my mindset. I love so. it. So before you kind of cringed at God, 
but after Jesus, you're like, man, I can't get enough. Yeah, exactly, I, yeah. I love it. No, that, that happened to me, though, because I was kind of avoiding him. I didn't know that the need was there. And, uh, man, once Jesus clicks that light on, things begin to change. Um, there's a desire to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, and more importantly, there's a desire to submit to Jesus. It all becomes about Jesus. So, so I would say, um, if you're here this morning and you have a sincere desire to, uh, to know Jesus, like you were just talking about, you know, um, if you have a sincere desire to follow Jesus, follow his example, and then submit to him when he puts his fingers on areas of your life or is calling you to do something specific with your life. Those are all evidences of a born-again life. Uh, you begin to see a change on the inside, that new nature. The Bible talks about all those in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Things begin to change, man. Uh, you, you, know, you, you feel alive on the inside like you didn't before. And it's just your desire to be in the house of God and, and around believers kind of goes through the roof. And, I mean, do things start to change, like, behavior-wise for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time, huh? Yeah. So I noticed that you begin to get a compassion for others. Like, dude, mm -hmm. I, was, I was so hard-hearted, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But after Jesus, I began to develop compassion for people. I was yeah. so foreign to me. I didn't know what to do with it at first. You know, I would just, I would, people, I would, I would see people struggle, and I just find myself just, man, I just want to do something to help them, you know? And it's just, it's come up, I'm watching too many Hallmark movies, I think. I need to stop that. I need to get that out. I need to go watch some football and eat some steak and fix this problem, you know? Um, Something going on, but, but you begin to get compassion for people that you didn't have before. And that's because the heart of God is becoming your heart. As you get closer to him, you begin to reflect that and, and have the heart that he has for us. Um, and there becomes a conflict on the inside with old desires. You know, you experience that. Yeah. Yeah. So like the stuff that you used to want to do, now this Holy Spirit guy is inside of you. And it's just not like it used to be. Yeah, it's He's not the same. It's... No, there's like a little, little conviction there. And uh, you have a conscience about you that you didn't have before. You guys experienced that? Yeah. After you got saved, like the stuff that you used to do, like before, before Jesus, if your thing was just venting on the wall in your bedroom and busting holes in the wall or whatever to let the anger out, and you, you go back and you do it again, and you're like, man, that was dumb. I should have I should have gone and prayed. Don't have to patch this wall again. You know, the Holy Spirit's like, you feel better next time. Why don't you just let me be your peace? You know, he'll he'll start to work with you, and things that you were really comfortable with doing. I find that you know, like most of the stuff that we call sin, that the Bible calls sin, it's really just an attempt to escape the pressures of life a lot of times and escape reality. So those things that used to be the go-tos to release that stress or that tension or whatever, you know, uh, whether it was smoking pot or, or drinking or doing the pills or relationships or, you know, whatever the deal was, um, it doesn't do it for you like it used to. Because you got something better on the inside. And so that confliction, that, that, that conflict is there. If you're here this morning and you feel kind of conflicted on the inside, that's probably good news. Yeah. That's probably good news because the Spirit of God is working in you, trying to get you further from that old nature and that old behavior and into who he's calling you to be. So when, uh, when you feel that, man, I know sometimes it can be frustrating because you feel like... Um, I used to feel like, and maybe you did, maybe you guys did, like early on in my faith, um, that, that I wasn't saved because I prayed that prayer and the Holy Spirit started spotlighting issues in my life. I'm like, man, all I feel like a failure right now. You know, all I see is the stuff that I need to grow in. All I see is the stuff that I'm not getting it together on. All I see is are the issues when I, go, I try to go back to this stuff. I feel horrible because now I know that it's sin. 
to you developing a new process of behavior, let me encourage you. If that's you, take a deep breath and just trust God's process of growth inside of you. Okay? If you are feeling conviction over an area of life and it's making you feel uneasy, that's a good thing. That's a good thing early on. That's the Holy Spirit doing his work and showing you where you can grow, where you can mature, and where you can get closer to God. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. Spiritually, you become a failure when you say, you know what, enough of this. I'm just going to go back and do my own thing because this isn't working out. Let me encourage you. Don't tap out and walk away because you feel awkward. You feel awkward because you are divorcing yourself from that old nature and that old habit and those old patterns, okay? So let the grace of God cover you and let the grace of God grow you into who God's called you to be. But don't feel frustrated over that. I get a little bit excited because the Holy Spirit's showing me an area that I can grow in, that I can improve in, and it's good when he shows you. Amen? It's good when he shows you. Um, did you feel like that? I know you said he was he was kind of pointing some stuff out to you. Did you get frustrated a little bit? With yeah, yourself? a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Most people do, but they don't talk about it. They just come in and, and sing real loud in church. And they they look real they look real pretty and, and real handsome and they showing off those new shoes and all that stuff, but they they don't talk about the conflict that's inside of them. And yeah, I bet you we'd see a whole lot more people grow spiritually if we just got real honest with our conversation. We just started talking, not to highlight struggles, because I hate that. I hate glorifying weakness. I don't think the Bible teaches us to do that. But when we're going through stuff, if we need help growing in an area, man, why can't we trust one another to pray for one another? See, when when they do this, I want to repeat what I just said, because I feel like they didn't hear it the first time, so I'm going to do it again. So... So what if, what if we trusted one another and just prayed for one another like we're supposed to? That was a little bit better. Let me try this one more time. Okay, so. so what if we just trusted one another and prayed for one another like the Bible says to do? See, there we go. Now they're waking up. See, um, the trick the devil tries to use in this process is that when we're starting to feel that conflict, and when the Holy Spirit's kind of convicting, what he wants to do is come in and try to condemn and talk you into thinking that you're the failure that's never going to get it right or never going to get it together. You're always going to have these issues. You're never going to be as perfect as those pretty people at church. You know, you're always going to struggle with this. You're always going to wrestle with this. Tell him to shut up. Okay? Tell him to shut up. And you do what the Word of God says. Don't let him lie to you. Um, because you're feeling that conflict, that, that describes perfectly what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 6 and in Romans chapter 7, where he's like, man, I know the good I need to do, but every time I try to do that good, I jack it up because there's sin inside of me that I'm processing through and, and all of this stuff. And finally, he lands on the ground that God's working in him. God can see him through, and God can grow him into the person that he's calling him to be. And I love that the Bible speaks to that because that's where people are in real life. Um, so there's a conflict that starts up on the inside of you. And another thing that you'll notice is that your behavior will change to line up with Scripture. And it almost naturally happens as God is working on the inside of you. The trap is to try to grab the reins of your salvation and work it out without tag-teaming with the Holy Spirit. And that's where a lot of the frustration comes. Your behavior will start to change and line up with Scripture. So that's some practical stuff. So um, when the Spirit's testifying with you, you'll begin to see a desire to know Jesus, follow Jesus, submit to Jesus. Change is going to start happening on the inside as that new nature begins to emerge in you. You're going to start seeing that you've got compassion for people that you didn't have before because you're capturing the heart of God there's going, to be become, there's going to get to be a conflict inside of you as you're sorting through all the stuff that you used to do and growing into who God is calling you to be. And that stuff is natural. Um, but you'll begin to see that your behavior is going to change the closer you get to God 
the more like God you will become. And you'll see all of that stuff begin to line up with Scripture. Those are some key points to look at. How do you know you're saved? Well, you look at the fruit. You look at the fruit. If you can see the evidence of growth and change in your life, those are great indicators. Okay? And if you're feeling conflict on stuff, it's a great indicator. So the big question is that a lot of people ask is, how do I know if my salvation is in trouble? You ever had that question? <laughs> I used to ask it a lot. I used to ask it a lot. Sometimes when I hang out with Georgia fans, I still ask myself <laughs> that question. But not as much as when I'm around Alabama fans, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> God, I know you said to love all people, but if I hear Roll Todd one more time, I think I might. But <clears throat> this church talks about football. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> this is great. Um, how do you know it's in trouble? Well, here's, here's how you know. All right. These are just practical steps from the Bible. How do you know if your salvation's in trouble? Number one, uh, you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay. If you've never done that, your salvation is in trouble. So you're good. You're good, as long as you keep growing closer to him. You know, a lot of people think going to church is going to get it done. Going to church doesn't get it done. You know, you know the old saying, uh, you don't become a, a hamburger when you go to McDonald's? Yeah. You don't become a Christian just because you go to a church. Exactly. Yeah. So that thing is for, that saying is forever old, but it's so true. You know, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, but being in church is incredibly important to your spiritual walk. I'll say that. So if you've never accepted Jesus, you're in trouble. Um, another indicator, you don't have a growing relationship with Jesus, you might be in trouble. You might be in trouble. Uh, one prayer that you prayed 20 years ago is not a relationship with God. And when you look in Scripture, when you look in Scripture, relationship is key. Relationship is key. Not religion, not some ritual that you walk through or go through, not showing up to church. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? What do, you, what do you think that means? Like, what do you think are some key parts of a relationship with God? Well, a key part in relationship with God is like, <clears throat> I can't really think of any right. Probably praying a little bit, spending time yeah. with him, yeah, talking to him. And I'm nervous. I can't think. I, I get it, man. <laughs> You're good. You're good. So probably it, it's hard to grow close to him without knowing what the Bible says. So probably reading the Bible would be a, a big part of it, you know. Um, time in prayer personally, though, I think is huge building that relationship with him. If I saw my wife once a week for an hour, I wouldn't have much of a relationship with her, would I? You know what I mean? We can't think that showing up to church for an hour or an hour and a half once a week is enough to have a relationship with God. You know, it's got to be a daily thing. It's got to be something that's real. So I'd look at that real hard. And here's the other one. No conviction over sin and no change taking place. And this is the big one in the church, um, particularly. So we, sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking we're okay with God and we're not okay with God because listen if there's no conviction over sin in your life who does that mean is not present in your heart that Holy Spirit that brings about the conflict and, 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 and highlights the areas that need to change and that's what he does if that's not happening that's a huge red flag that, that something needs to be adjusted and changed really quickly you know um, no conviction over sin and no change is taking place. There's no growth. There's no change on the inside. You always look at the fruit because if God is working on the inside, it will be evident on the outside every time. Every time. Um, there's a lot of people that get comfortable with continuing sin and they think that they're okay. And this is kind of a sobering scripture that we want to wrap up with today. So we know how we can know that we're saved now um, by looking at the fruit. And then we can also know how we can know that we aren't in right standing with God by looking at the fruit in our lives. And it's not that we're trying to do something to earn right standing with him. It's all evidence of his work on the inside of us. Does that make sense? 
Okay, that's very important. Okay, it's not about how good you try to make yourself. It's about what he's doing on the inside of you. He's changing you, then you'll change. See what I'm saying? So um, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. I'm going to read this, and then I'll let you off the hook, and you can, you can get off the stage. He's done good, though, hasn't he? Yeah. Done good, man. Um, Hebrews 10, 26, it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's one of those scriptures that just makes you want to jump up and shout and get all excited about God, isn't it? I just love one of those, man. Um, Very sobering when you stop and you think about it, especially in the church today. Everybody give Landon a hand as he steps off the stage, man. Good job, buddy. You did great, man. You did great. If we deliberately continue... Can you put that passage of Scripture back up on the screen? This is the Scripture that pastors all across this country are scared to death to bring up in church. Now, I know we have a lot of people in our church from different church backgrounds. We've got people in here that used to be Presbyterian, um, Episcopalian, We've got people in here that came from Baptist backgrounds, um, non-denominational backgrounds, uh, heavy Pentecostal backgrounds, like the crazy Pentecostal backgrounds, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, then, and then we've got people that, that, I mean, just it's like a melting pot of backgrounds in churches. And I love that because we're together as one body of believers in here. It's great. Sometimes we get taught things in error though there's a false doctrine out there that teaches that once you are saved in Christ that you are always saved and you cannot lose your salvation that's only partially true it all depends on your relationship with him you understand Um, having a relationship with Jesus and making a mistake is one thing to deliberately keep on sinning is something different. I had an old pastor tell me one time there's a difference between tripping over a twig in the woods and doing a swan dive off a cliff. Big difference between the two. Making a mistake is just making a mistake. That's what God's grace is there for. Amen? That's what His grace is there for. But willfully choosing to deliberately continue in sin, that puts you in dangerous ground in your walk with God because it speaks to the heart, okay? Your heart has the ability to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and draw close to God, and your heart has the ability to turn around and walk away. It's your choice. Free will and choice brought you into the kingdom of God by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Free will and choice can put your salvation in danger. This doesn't get talked about a lot. Is my salvation in trouble? Let me ask you this. Are you continuing repetitive sin in your life after the Holy Spirit has put his finger on it and said no? See, that's a moment of choice and a moment of decision. And you either continue to grow close to God or you choose to hold on to that pattern and slowly drift away. This is what I know about your walk with God. When you stop growing close to Him, you begin to drift away from Him. There's really not much middle ground there. Um, pastors are afraid to get up. You need to understand, I'm your pastor. Okay, I am not a hireling. I'm your pastor. I don't make decisions on what I preach based on how many people are in the seats. I make decisions on what is preached because of what the Spirit of God lays on my heart and the truth of the Word of God without apology every time. So, so if you're here, it's funny, we, um, we used to have a homosexual couple that would come to the church. Our church is open to anybody. 
Anybody can come and hear the message. We love people like Jesus loved people. When we do outreaches, we, we, we don't pick and choose, man. We share the love of Jesus with everybody. Everybody, every service, everyone's welcome to come in. We've had atheists in our service, homosexuals in our service. We had uh, an atheist that just recently gave his heart to Jesus in one of our services. How awesome is that? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So, so this couple was in a service and just preaching and sharing and preaching and sharing. And I say, our church is open to all people. And I began to list out different groups of people. And I said, you know, I usually say it doesn't matter what your political belief is. We can all sit under the cross of Jesus and grow close to him. Um, politics, color, um, your sexual preference. No, our doors are open to everybody. And then I usually say even Georgia and Alabama fans can come in here as evidence and get saved and all that. Well, I said, I said homosexuals are welcome to come in here. And then I said I don't con- we don't condone the lifestyle because the word of God does not condone the, the lifestyle. But they are welcome, you're welcome to come in here and receive the love of Jesus without judgment or somebody looking weird at you, you know? But because I said we don't condone the lifestyle, they got ruffled because you see, I was highlighting their sin. You can talk about sin in broad strokes, but when you start to get very specific, people start losing their minds. And so they said, well, you pointed us out. I didn't point you out. I made a statement about the word of God. Well, you could have talked about sexual sin in general. It's no different from people committing adultery or people looking at porn or people doing ABC and XYZ. And and you know what? That's true. That's true. But you're still doing it. They get mad at me. It's funny. So they went to another church, and they'll be there right about until the pastor says, the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. And then they'll go to another church instead of confronting the sin. This is what we don't want to happen in our lives, okay? So listen, I'm your pastor. I love you. I love you. You've seen my track record. You've seen how I've served you. You've heard what I've preached. And I'm here to tell you, if you have repetitive sin in your life, you're in danger. You need to stop it. You need to get it right. Okay, can I get specific with some stuff? All right, listen, if you're here this morning and you're still looking at porn and the Holy Spirit's been convicting you and you're still going to it as your escape, listen, you're putting yourself in danger. All right, if you're here this morning and you're cheating on your spouse in an extramarital relationship, you need to end it. You need to end it. All right, if you're here this morning and you're living with somebody unmarried and you're sexually active that's sin the Bible calls that sin okay and to choose to willfully do it after you know you come into the knowledge of the truth the Bible says you're starting to get to the place where if you keep doing that and ignoring what the Word of God says to him who knows the good he should do it doesn't do it to that person it is sin you are putting yourself in danger And I love you enough to tell you, you need to change. I love you enough to tell you, it needs to stop. I love you enough to tell you that you can step out in the freedom that Jesus has given you and not go back to that lifestyle. You understand? When the Holy Spirit says don't go to the pills, when he says don't go to the bottle, when he says stop it. Stop it. When we choose to continue it, we put ourselves in dangerous ground spiritually. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. All right. I don't want any crazy meetings. I don't want any emails. You guys watching online, I love you. If you want to send an email, we always say send it to Pastor Jeremy at eastgatechurch.cc. And he will, he'll cover it and get you taken care of. Every one of them. Listen, we don't get to pick and choose what parts of the Bible we decide to live by. God gets to choose. He sets the terms, okay? Now, what I just described are behavioral issues and sin. Behavioral issues flow out of heart condition, all right? So... 
the, the solution is to get closer to Jesus and further from yourself. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning as we get ready to close and leave every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. No one looking around. Are you here today with repetitive sin in your life? Pastor Josh, you don't understand. If, if I make a change in that, it's going to affect other people. And yeah, I hope it does affect other people as they see the change in you. And that points them to Jesus. Is Jesus really Lord and Savior of your life? Or is this just something convenient that you do on Sundays? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Are you here this morning and you need to get some stuff right with God? Is there repetitive sin that needs to be dealt with? When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your eyes and I want you to look at me. I don't have to drag this out any further. I think the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you since you got here this morning. It needs to end. It needs to end. We need to let His grace cover it. We need to let restoration take place. And we need to continue to grow closer to Him instead of continuing to fall further and further away. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just speak freedom over this room. Lord, that religion would die and the beauty of who you are would shine bright as the sun in this moment. That your truth would set people free today. Your spirit is here and where your spirit is, there is freedom and liberty. Holy Spirit, I pray that you do the work that you do. Bring conviction so that change can take place. This isn't about fixing our life to be right. It's about changing to please the heart of our Savior. And we change as He changes us. So Lord, if there are people here today with issues of repetitive sin that have slipped into a pattern of self-deception and have been lulled to sleep by the enemy or opinion or preference, God, I pray that you wake us up in this moment. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. We need to get this right today. Here we go. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If this is you, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. Praise God. Praise God. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I'm going to stay on this for just a little bit longer. You know who you are. You know who you are. Let's get it right with God. Just a little bit longer. I see yours. Praise God. I love what's happening. Now let's all stand this morning as we get ready to close. Isn't God awesome? God is just awesome. We had a good group of people that lifted up their eyes. I want to pray over you. Pray with you this morning. I want you guys to repeat this prayer after me. Can we do that? If you lifted up your eyes, I want you to pray this and mean it. Here we go. Jesus. We can do better than that. Let's try this again. Okay. Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sin. Right now, I repent for the pattern of sin in my life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that convicts me. Thank you so much for loving me enough to tap me on the shoulder today and remind me of the truth of your word. I choose you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I don't want sin. I want you. So help me with this change. Change me on the inside. 
as I draw closer to you. Give me the strength that I need to step into the freedom that you have given. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's praise God for what's happening in this place. We serve a big God, don't we? We serve a big, big God. I'm so excited when I think about what the Lord is doing in us and in this church. Was this good stuff today? Did it encourage you a little bit? Did it help you out? Hopefully. To not just work, work through some issues, but to equip you to have these conversations with other people. That talk sheet is yours. Take it home and, and walk through it. Listen, if you're in a season of your relationship with God where you're wanting to grow and you're wanting to deepen that foundation of your faith. Listen, we have a first steps class here that is waiting for you to jump in. Uh, everybody know Emily Rasco? Emily's right here waving her hand. Hey, listen, if you want to take it another step in your walk with God and grow a little bit more, get with Emily and get, with, get the information on the first steps class. It be life changing. It's great stuff. It's down to earth. It's very practical. I can't wait for next week when we dive into studying the Word of God. Um, it's going to be a game changer for a lot of us, I believe. Let me pray over you. Let's get out of here. Put this stuff into practice. Amen? Oh, let me share one more thing with you before we get out of here. So, tomorrow, I'm going to hop in a vehicle with some people. We're going to go to Macon, Georgia, to the resource center set up by the Assemblies of God. And we're going to load the church trailer full of food and supplies for Thanksgiving dinners. Okay, listen to this. We're partnering uh, with the Nickel Center to help make the Thanksgiving outreach happen in conjunction with the court system in the area. Listen to this. We're going to help feed 100 people Thanksgiving dinners. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. I love it. Couple of weeks, we're partnering with the pantry, a local food outreach here, and uh, we love serving with them. We're going to work with them and help feed. Listen to this: 400 families in our area. That is just awesome. I can't wait. We've got Christmas service coming up. Man, be praying, be inviting. We want to see a ton of people get. What a better way! Is there a better way to celebrate Jesus' birthday than seeing a ton of people come to Jesus? at a Christmas service. That is just going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. So all these things are coming, so be in prayer. Our church is busy. That means we're being effective, though, too. All right, I love you. Let's get out of here. Father, thank you for who you are, for what you've done today. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that you extend towards us. Let us walk out of here and live this out. Somebody's counting on us. Somebody's counting on us. Let our eyes be open to see those opportunities. We give you praise in Jesus' name.